Welcome to the Commentary Magazine Daily Podcast. Today is Tuesday, September 13th, 2022. I am John Podhoritz, the editor of Commentary Magazine. Commentary.org slash roast will get you the information for the commentary roast of Barry Weiss on Sunday, November 13th here in New York City. You've heard me talk about it. Best event of the year, Commentary's major fundraiser a tribute to and a parody of Barry Weiss at the same moment. Who could possibly ask for more? And uh, in fact, tickets and tables are going like hotcakes. I'm very grateful to everybody who has signed up. we got a lot more room, but we need a lot more participation. So commentary.org slash roast. With me as always, executive editor Abe Greenwald. Hi, Abe. Hi, John media commentary columnist and American Enterprise Institute fellow Christine Rosen. Hi, Christine. Hi, John. And associate editor and author of The Rise of the New Puritans, Noah Rothman. Hi, Noah. Hi, John. Uh, Okay. Uh, Inflation numbers are in for the month of August, and um, they're bad. uh, And don't be fooled into thinking that they're good. They're bad. Inflation was expected at 8.1% for the month. It's actually 8.3% annualized. Um, And uh, you're going to hear, because we have already seen from the first AP headline to move over Twitter, uh, that it says inflation continues to slow. Um, It's not slowing. I mean, it's slowing in some fundamental sense because when it was at its worst number, I think it was 8.6% year to year. And now it's 8.3%, but uh, it was expected it would be 8.1%. Nonetheless, the fact is that inflation is running at 8.3% uh, annually, or annualized, let's say. And uh, grocery prices are up 13.5% over last year. Um. So I think my guess is when when we see more details here, because uh, I'm just like scanning whatever stuff people are pulling out on Twitter, that we will discover that, you know, the lion's share of this, of whatever the decline is or, you know, the slowdown is, is gas prices, which are, of course, very, very significant. Um, but uh we know two things as a result of this. If inflation is going to come in worse than expected, uh, the Federal Reserve is going to have to be even more aggressive than it's been already. Uh, and that will be happening next week, something like that. I mean, it could be uh, anytime. Um, so uh, APs, I just want to read the AP line and then we can talk about it. U.S. inflation slows for a second straight month to a still high 8.3% over the past year. Um, Still high? It's not still high. These are numbers we haven't seen in 40 years. I mean, still, it's not high. Historically high would be better. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't care what, I mean, I, I don't want to play the adjective game or, you know, or the modifier game, but you can't. Seriously, and the re- you read this and you know why, right? Which is that they are trying very hard to normalize inflation at a high rate before the elections. I'm reading right? the BLS report right now. So it's you're right. Food, labor statistics. Yeah, go ahead. Food goes up um, by 08% in a month. 
Um, food away from home by 09%, food at home 13% in 12 months. It's a lot. But energy did fall. The energy index fell by 5% in August after declining 4.6% in July, all almost exclusively due to gas prices because the energy index itself, which includes natural gas and electricity, what have you, rose 23.8% over the course of the last year. Uh, gasoline right. index is still 25.6% over the span, and the, the fuel oil index rose 68.8%. This is all annualized, obviously. Um, but yes, so gasoline declined a little bit down from astronomical, um, unaffordable highs, um, whereas every other energy source is still rising. There's and an amazing it, thing. We've seen it happen time and again here, whereby the Biden administration um, loses a messaging war over a news cycle. And then the media acts as if he didn't, as if he won. Uh, this is, we saw this with the recession, not a recession. Uh, we've seen, we've seen it with uh, what we were discussing. The uh, this came up at some point last week, the, the, the border issue. Um, build he, back he, better. He died. Build back better. He dies. <laughs> he got 12% of and build then, back better. And then the headlines act as if he did just fine. But it's also, I mean, it, it's particularly egregious today because this afternoon on at the White House, Biden's having his celebratory uh, uh, moment for the Inflation Reduction Act. Now that we're we're getting these numbers this morning, um, and the advance remarks that Politico reports says he'll uh, he's going to say that this Inflation Reduction Act quote delivers on promises Washington has made to the American people for decades lowering costs for families and finally taking aggressive action to tackle the climate crisis. Yes, my voice is dripping with sarcasm for a reason. The, they're also, the Biden administration has become quite adept, and I think they did this mainly with COVID, but we're seeing them pivot to do this with other domestic policy issues. They're also adept at just lying through their teeth to the American people about what's happening to them. It's a kind of gaslighting, and I recall constant inferences about gaslighting when Trump was president, and he did do that. Like, he would just lie you know, yeah. straight to the camera. But what the Biden administration is doing with this messaging here is very um, is really obnoxious, because for those of us who you, you pay these grocery bills, you see every single week how much more your food costs every week, because you look at the cost of chicken from two months ago and you look at the cost of chicken now and you go, ouch, maybe we're going to eat some beans and rice this week. Like the, people are experiencing this on a daily basis. And now they're going to see on the White House lawn a huge self-celebration about how look at look at what we've done for you, the American people. And, you know, if this news cycle turns against him, we'll get the other thing that Abe's right. They love to do. Um, it's to be very disappointed in the American people. How disappointing that you didn't appreciate us for reducing inflation. Sorry, okay. chicken costs 20 bucks a pound. <laughs> look, this is very central. Now we it is it is the 13th of September. So we are less than two months from from the midterm elections we have had inflation running at unprecedented i mean not okay fair i mean for the 21st century unprecedented levels we are now 22 years into the 21st century or we could have an argument about whether it began in 2000 or 2001 for 25 minutes about you know that but um unprecedented for the 21st century unprecedented for the last 40 years and it kind of got the sense from the way people were talking over the last month and looking at the Democratic polling uh, surge um, that the idea was that uh, voters had gotten used to inflation. 
this was now just like another piece of noise, like, you know, pulling out of Afghanistan or something like that. It's not good. It's not good for Biden. It's not good for the Democrats. But people have gotten used to it. Now, I think that this is a perceptual, this is a perceptual problem. I've talked about this before, but that um, the higher up you go on the income ladder, obviously, uh, the more that kind of inflation that is really hurting people affects you less. What affects people who are, you know, in the, you know, in the upper strata of our socioeconomic classes? Housing costs if they want to trade up a house. Interest rates if they want to trade up a house. Luxury item good costs. Uh, university and private schooling costs, stuff like that. Those those are things that they feel. Those numbers can be very, very, very big. There is a housing shortage in major cities. Housing prices, despite rising interest rates and stuff, have gone through the roof. That they feel. Chicken, they don't feel. Rent increases, Gas which is prices, another one. Yeah. Right. Gas prices, they don't really feel. I mean, everybody know, you know, everybody's eyes pop when it says $69 to fill up your tank of gas. But it's still completely, you know, you might spend $14, uh, you know, getting to your gas station, stopping at Starbucks and getting two Frappuccinos. Like, so, so it is very hard for people who write about this, who tend to be in these upper socioeconomic strata and who analyze it who tend to be in the socioeconomic strata to feel inflation and as a result you can you can think things like people are used to it but it is not something you can get used to particularly if food is 0.7 percent more expensive in august than it was in july and if you have a dim memory of the fact that it was 14% less expensive. It cost you 14% less last year to, to, for your cart of groceries than it does now. And I just don't know whether to believe the idea that the public is looking at things and saying, you know what really bothers me? Uh, uh, Democrat extremism, you know, on the issue of preserving our democracy or abortion. I, I just, I understand that these are real things that are playing in the election, but practically never before in my lifetime as a voting adult has a pocketbook issue been a pocketbook issue like we have a pocketbook issue like right now. And it beggars reason that it is not the thing about which people will vote. And of course, it's it's, you know, so much of this is reflected in the, the stories that the same people in the media choose to highlight. Right. So if now we see story after story about this American concerned about abortion laws, this American worried about having to cross state lines, um, of course, it could just as easily be, be producing daily stories about people who are trying to make ends meet. Um, at some point, there was at least a nod in that direction um, when, when this all started. But the, but they, they the, the who the press focuses on has shifted entirely. I mean, you have no idea, you guys, again, you, pulling my age card here. You have no idea what 1982 was like in the coverage of the economy 
during the year 1982, which admittedly was worse. It was worse than it is now. I mean, interest rates reached 20%, and unemployment was at 10%. It was worse. But it was nine solid months every night on the evening news when the evening news had 40 million viewers between the three networks of this farm is going belly up. This person lost their house. This person is, you know, like it was, it was relentless and it was totally fair because we were in the worst economic condition or position we had been in in decades then too. But it is not what we talk about now. And so the question is, can the media's effort to focus attention away from this core issue, can it work? Can they distract people from the thing that they know in their kishkas about like what the, what what their expenses are like every week? Well, they're doing it with the democracy talk, as as Abe says, like this, there's just an endless stream of, you know, the crisis of democracy pieces all over the mainstream media. Very few mentions only only occasionally do you notice or anyone report on the fact that Democrats have spent 50 million dollars on propping up election denying MAGA candidates in primaries. So if democracy is in crisis, why are they doing that? So we know that because we follow this stuff at a a more granular level. But the kind of that kind of talk, I think, is a way of distracting. It's like, why are you worried about the price of chicken and that milk costs more? You know, our democracy is in peril. There's a kind of apocalyptic way of changing the tone of conversation that is doing a disservice to the concerns and the needs of of the average American right now. But that's what they're doing. Because I think, John, to your earlier point, most of the people in the mainstream media aren't feeling this the same way. They make a lot more money than the average American. So it's not something that they're concerned about on the daily basis. I mean, also, John, to that point, and to the question of of, can it work, I think it it can work depending on the socioeconomic strata you're talking about. if if you can be easily distracted from the the rising prices, then you will be. If you cannot be, you certainly will not be. Well, I mean, so you know, this this then is a sort of corkscrew cockeyed tribute to the United States, where um there are the numbers of people who sort of count as well off or well to do in that calculation are really astronomically high compared to most countries and most places. Like, you know, you're talking about tens of millions of voters, uh, potential voters who are not affected particularly or don't, you know, or aren't pained except maybe aesthetically by, by this. I don't know. I, I think I think there's more gradations to this with yeah. inflation because there are people who live paycheck to paycheck. They feel it immediately. They feel it at the pump. They feel it at the, at the grocery store because at the end of a week, they have less money in their bank account. But then there's a sort of vast, I would say, middle, what, what we'd consider middle class American who's not living paycheck to paycheck, but who is used to having a certain cushion, right? You have a, a kind of cushion. You can send your kids, maybe go on a vacation that requires, say, booking a flight, or you can, you know, do something, some home improvement that you might otherwise have put off. All of that cushion has been obliterated. And a lot of those people were already kind of seeing it dwindle during COVID if they were, if their employment was at a more precarious rate. So that actually, it's, it's that group that I think is not being talked to right now and that I think will be offended by Biden, uh, you know, patting himself on the back this afternoon in the Rose Garden. Right. Okay. So let, let, I'm saying that there is a kind of large bet being made now. 
and it's it's a good bet because it's the only bet they have or it's the only hand they have to play, which is they can talk people out of focusing on economic uh, doldrums and inflation. Uh, both the Biden people, the Democrats, the candidates who are running for office and the media who are their, you know, I don't know, cheerleaders, cats, whatever you want to call it. Um, and they are betting that they can do what we're, we're talking about. Normalizing inflation in people's minds. Uh, you know, getting people to focus on issues that aren't immediate, but are alarming to a great many of them. Uh, stirring their own base to, you know, to uh, record levels of, ac- of, of, of action and activity in a midterm election for a party in power. And, uh, and then we'll, we'll see where that goes. Or it's a good bet, it's the smart play, and it doesn't work. Just not going to work because things are bad. And uh, it doesn't matter what people tell pollsters and it doesn't matter what the pollsters are registering. Uh, there are all sorts of other indications in the polling that say that this is, you know, that, that this is going to be a tsunami against Democrats. I don't know why we're conceding <laughs> at all that this is a smart play. Well, compared this to what? exceedingly simple to me. Okay. Democrats over the summer passed because it was an emergency, the inflation reduction act. Inflation is up. Now, you can argue whether that's because this bill was a climate change bill, and it was, and it hasn't come into effect yet. It's true. But the perception that Democrats courted with this bait and switch was that inflation's an emergency. We know it. We're on top of it. They're not. By their own admission, according to what we've been reading behind the scenes, quotes not for attribution, what have you, Democrats are aware that they've overperformed expectations. The candidates have outperformed the president in special elections, not because of their own adroit uh, navigating of this uh, unnavigable political environment, but because Trump reemerged, became a central figure in American politics, American political life, reminded voters about what they didn't like about the GOP, depressed Republican voters, and subsequently delivered Democrats with this false dawn. Um, so the Democrats admit that they didn't do anything to enjoy this benefit, the beneficence of the electorate. It was a gift of the gods. And what the gods give, they can just as easily repossess. And I think we're on the cusp of seeing that. The fundamentals of this year were always economic. Uh, and Democrats conceded to that with the passage of this legislation. Uh, they have failed to achieve what they promised voters they would achieve. Seems to me like the answer, the the re- repercussions for that are fairly easy to game out. It depends on what voters you're talking about, because obviously they delivered on a promise to do something about green crap and they got it. And so that was they, not the promise they that they made over the course of the debate of this reconciliation bill. No, but you know what I'm saying. So I do, but only because the, the only reason why I know what you're ever. saying is because you and I are plugged into this sort of thing in ways that average voters are not. They yeah, heard no, we're going no, after inflation. Forget, forget average voters for a second. Again, here's here's the play. Like you said, this was, you know, maybe we shouldn't be. I was the one praising it. You're not. So you don't have to take on the 
royal we here. I'm saying that they have a very bad hand. Inflation's at 8.3%. They pulled out of Afghanistan. The country says, 75% of the country says we're on the wrong track. That is a bad hand for the party that has control of Congress and the White House, right? It's a bad hand. So they're clearly overperforming their bad hand up to now, right? All these races, all these Senate races are either competitive or they're leading. Uh, they're out, they're out polling the president and that, and they're getting some legislation passed that they couldn't otherwise get passed. But there is still two more months and you can play a hand well. You know, it's like now Even, I'm going to mix my sports. You can play, you play a hand well in the first half, but then there's the second half. And just because you go into the locker room, with your hand in good shape doesn't mean you're going to end up not folding. How's Even that at this moment? World's of, worst mixed sports My head metaphor. just exploded. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Even at this moment of Democratic resurgence, Republicans still enjoy a two-point advantage in battleground districts, which matters because there's no such thing as a national vote in a midterm year. No such thing as a national vote in a, gen- in a general year, but no, no such thing as that. And Republicans still enjoy this advantage. And the Senate level... um, Contests that have no business being competitive in Arizona and Pennsylvania, for example, are competitive. These are two four-point races. North Carolina, Florida, Ohio still favor the Republican candidate. They have pickup opportunities in Nevada, Colorado, and New Hampshire, both all of which are sleeper races and some of which are very competitive in Nevada. I think Adam Lexalt is leading. Nevada. Uh, whatever. I have that to say Silver that for John State. Ralston. Hi, John Ralston. Go yeah. ahead. Um, bottom line is, even at this this heady moment for Democrats, they're still on track to lose a pretty healthy margin in the House up to approaching what Democrats won in 2018, roughly 230, 235. And a, a Senate majority, a Senate Republican majority of one to two, maybe even three seats is perfectly conceivable. Well, if well, that's they, conceivable, I, yeah, go ahead. I'm From the data add, that we're looking at, and we don't trust no, the data that we're looking no, no. at. Right. Well, and the and the, the the other thing to remember again, not not to not to focus on this little celebration that they're going to the Democrats are going to have at the White House today, but if they start boasting about their the green stuff, right, the environmental stuff that basically is what this Inflation Reduction Act was, it was it was a big it was their big climate bill that they couldn't get passed before. Telling people who are worried about the cost of their groceries to shut up and buy electric cars is not good messaging for them. And and that's actually an area in which they have not found a good way to talk to people who are concerned about their economic future. They they tell, I mean, uh, what's her name? Granholm goes on the news and she's like, and Pete Buttigieg, and they're all just like, well, if you would just do what the elites have done and buy expensive electric vehicles and put solar panels on your house and stop complaining about the price of gas, they have a very elitist tone to their messaging on climate. And I know it right up the very youthful part of the democratic base they think the planet's going to burn and turn to ash in the next 10 years fine that'll get them out there so will abortion but this is something where i think the messaging if they're combining it with inflation reduction on a day where we've seen prices for lots of staples rise this is this is a very delicate balance and they so far have not managed to strike that balance in the past so i have this impression it's and it's kind of hard to pin down but talking about you know how are they going to play this? How are they going to play that? How, how, how will this um, fall on American ears? I get the impression that Democrats have sort of cleared a hump. They were being taken to task for all the things that we're talking about. And then somehow they weren't. And we're sort of, and it has to do with Trump reentering. It has to do with Dobbs. Um, it has to do with this, with, with 
the the with the with the with the fake uh, uh, Inflation Reduction Act. Um, and so the question is sort of what gets us out of this part two phase of of the of the run up to midterms? I mean, that's really an interesting question, you know, and, and it goes to the fundamental thing that I am trying to get a grip on because I, I don't understand it. And I don't think any of us does or knows. Um, it goes like this. Would the Democrats be in better shape or in worse shape, given what Christine said, if if Manchin hadn't folded or bent or done whatever and had agreed and had not agreed to this uh, bill that we now call hilariously the Inflation Reduction Act? I mean, if you run a counterfactual, uh, they they have claimed that a bill that is going to increase the deficit over 10 years by hundreds of billions of dollars is an Inflation Reduction Act. Because in the very beginning, it will cost less than it saves, supposedly, according to the CBO. Um, But not in the long term. Um, Or there could have been no bill. And then part of the story would be the Democrats don't know their ass from their elbow. They don't know what they're doing. They had the majority. They can't get anything passed. Uh, There would be the recriminations against Manchin and Cinema, and, you know, would, would be like, we already have a pre kind of like pre loss war inside the party about how they ruined everything. Um, and none of that has happened. So you can then say, well, this was good for them politically, or you can say, well, it just set up Republicans in these competitive races with a whole bunch of stuff when they start debating and they start making ads of their own that really, you know, that like dominate in October that are going to be like a series of jabs. Again, let's go back to bad sports. And, you know, like it's not like a roundhouse punch that knocks somebody out, but it's going to be a lot, a lot of small jabs, constant small jabs. And they got, what are they going to swing back with Trump? They're going to swing back with Trump and you, and you, you hate democracy and abortion. And those are big swings and they will therefore, you know, if they connect, they'll connect big, but if they don't connect, they're big whiffs. And meanwhile, the Republicans will be jabbing, right? So um, I don't know. Uh, what we don't know is whether this candidate quality issue means that the Republican candidates who have all of this material to use are going to be able to use it, whether they're going to be incompetent, stupid, and, you know, inarticulate. And, you know, that's where... Well. Yeah, and on abortion, I will say there's now uh, Lindsey Graham is introducing a ban after 15 weeks. He's introducing bill in the Senate. Who knows where it's going to go? That a 15 week ban is actually not unpopular among Americans. So and, and it's actually comports puts us more in line with you know European countries uh, uh, abortion restrictions. So the idea, which I think we've heard from a lot of Democratic candidates over the last few months, is like, look, the Republicans just want to take all your abortion rights away. Well, here's a pretty conservative guy in the Senate saying, you know what, we're going to protect it up to 15 weeks. At least they can point to some legislative movement on this issue in a way that they couldn't even a week ago. So and, and you know, they bring they're trotting out the worst possible person to talk about abortion now, which is the vice president, Kamala Harris, who just met with a bunch of activists this week and you know was told things like, you know what's really missing from the abortion debate in this country? 
popular cultural references to how important abortion rights are for women. I mean, they are a little bit uh, disconnected from the everyday experience of Americans right now. The idea that popular culture doesn't have a message on abortion is laughable. But there is this piece of legislation being proposed by Lindsey Graham. So I get what Lindsey's trying to do here, try to impose some discipline on the party, which has shockingly had zero idea what to do with a decision that overturned Roe, despite spending the last 50 years talking about how they wanted that. Um, but it's the, it's the wrong move. Federalizing abortion, A, goes against the decision in Dobbs, which remanded this issue to the states, and B, plays right into Democrats' hands who want to federalize the issue of abortion. Um, okay, but uh, where Christine may be right is that this bill has no hope of passage it's a so messaging therefore, bill it's just and it's designed a, yeah, in the audience for the republican candidates obviously right okay so but it in gives that democrats sense, the talking point they want no matter how good the 15 the week ban is, everybody should be on on board with a 15 week ban as a as a party platform the republican party doesn't even have a platform but but the democrats want to federalize abortion there's all this talk about codifying Roe in law like so it'll be a little hard for them to say oh now you want to federalize abortion like that is part of their agenda. But, you know, now we're getting we're now we're really getting into the weeds. It's like then we're going to talk about who who's going to issue a discharge petition. And then we're you know, it's like this is where it's so hard for us um, to get in the mindset of the voter, of the ordinary voter, because we keep saying this like we follow politics in a different way. You know, like there are 40 percent of people can't name their senators or something like that. Like, you know, it's like. We're talking about universes of difference. And so when Christine says it's not going to help Biden to have this, you know, have this show on the White House lawn about his wonderful Inflation Reduction Act, but 90 percent of Americans aren't going to know that it ever happened. So will it hurt? Will it help? Well, but neither party is actually doing the one thing they're supposed to be doing in in a run up to a midterm election, which is persuade. It's just there's all like this is who we are. The other the other group is fascist on both sides. They're doing this. So like the, the idea that there should be any effort at persuading voters to their side. We've just we've given up on that, I guess. I don't see candidates doing that very effectively. So when I think you're right, most most Americans don't care at all what happens at the White House uh, lawn today. But the messaging of that will be on every cable news show within a few hours as there of spokespeople. And the media will certainly spread the message of victory, victory, inflation is over to people who are still experiencing the effects of inflation. I mean, what one thing that occurs to me now to get into really bad taste territory with my metaphors and similes and stuff is that what we could be talking about here is that what's happened over the last six weeks with the Democratic polling surge is some political version of a chemical or even an ectopic pregnancy. That is, it has all the symptoms of a surge. It has all the visible manifestations or the chemical manifestations of a surge, but it's not real. And Nate Cohn of the, uh, who is a very sane and sensible analyst for the most part, um, published a piece yesterday that had obnoxious democratic political science people calling him a poll unskewer, which is pretty hilarious since he basically runs polling for the most important news organization in the world. But what he said is um, that if you look at where 
the Democratic surge is coming from. Uh, Democratic Senate candidates are outrunning expectations in the same places where the polls overestimated Biden in 2020 and Clinton in 2016. Okay, so Wisconsin is a good example, he says. On paper, the Republican Senator Ron Johnson ought to be favored to win re-election. The 538 Fundamentals Index, for instance, makes him a two-point favorite. Instead, the polls have exceeded the wildest expectations of Democrats. The state's gold standard Marquette Law School survey even showed Democrat Mandela Barnes leading Johnson by seven percentage points. But in this case, good for Wisconsin Democrats might be too good to be true. The state was ground zero for survey error in 2020 when pre-election polls proved to be too good to be true. They overestimated Biden's results by eight points. Okay. Eerily enough, Mr. Barnes is faring better than expected by a very similar margin. We have the same story in Ohio, right? Which, which overestimated Biden by eight. Trump won it by eight. Um, and, uh, and that was, he outperformed the polling by seven points. And, uh, the race there seems to be a toss up or leaning slightly in the direction of the Democrat Tim Ryan. And like, so this is a very, what we're seeing here is Nate Cohn offering a moment of like, oh, wait a minute. You know, one thing that's happened is that after, in previous elections, when things were gotten wrong, pollsters reoriented their polling and did stuff to weight them differently or to call people differently or something like that. But that hasn't happened very much in this cycle. There hasn't been a lot of polling adjustment. And in part, that's because nobody knows what the size of the midterm electorate is going to be right now. If you ask most political professionals, they would say that there is going to be monstrous midterm turnout, which there was in 2018. Also, 118 million people voted in the 2018 midterms. That was like 30 million more than voted in the 2014 midterms. And, you know, those numbers were like presidential level numbers 10 or 12 years before. Um, of course, in the presidential election in 2020, almost 160 million people voted. So you could have turnout of 120, 125 million people in the midterm election. And when that happens, uh, you know, you just don't, you, you can't model the electorate. You don't know how many of them are Republicans pulling themselves across broken glass to get to the polls and how many of them are Democrats. But it is a very important corrective because there is a tendency among Democrats, understandably, since even though they claim they don't, they dominate the media, toward irrational exuberance at the signs of good news for them. And they always overestimate their own chances because they don't know anybody who doesn't think the way they do, and they can't actually believe that anybody will vote differently from the way they do. And so they don't understand when their messages aren't hitting, and they don't understand when their messages might be boomeranging or backfiring. For example, some of this abortion messaging may backfire, but uh, there's nobody in the press who would ever have any sense of feeling or sense of uh, sense of ability to understand that the messaging in these commercials might be stimulating people to go. They seem a little they seem to like abortion a little too much. And um, and if the polling is overestimating Democrats, then the polling on issues like abortion 
is overrepresenting democratic opinions and views in exactly the same way. And okay, I I I think that that's probably a possibility. I I keep coming back to the and again, Biden, you know, Biden's setting a lot of tone here that maybe in local elections people aren't paying attention to, as Noah said earlier. But I keep coming back to the tone that the Democratic Party is adopting for these midterms, which which should be very practical, right? It should be very focused on. There's plenty of issues to be focused on. And uh, I, I just read uh, the invitation for this South Lawn gathering. And this is the rhetoric we've been hearing from the president um, for some time now. And certainly in his, you know, the fascists are coming speech in, in Philadelphia recently. But he says, one of the, the the invitation that's been sent out to people for this for this uh, uh, photo op, the Inflation Reduction Act is one of the most significant laws in our nation's history. This is the line that struck me. It is further proof that the soul of America is vibrant. The future of America is bright and the promise of America is real. I am really sick of the soul talk. And I find that that, again, like if, if you're worried about the cost of chicken, you, you're not as worried about the soul of the country. These abstractions, which are which are used to distract from the fact that their policies are having the opposite effect of what they're patting themselves on the back for them having. Right. Well, uh, again, uh, a lot of this is just a kind of speculation about how all of this is striking or hitting American ears. And so I guess the two questions are, is it hitting American ears? Are they paying any attention to the rhetoric or stuff like that? Um, I'm in a place where, uh, you know, I'm living in midtown Manhattan, so I'm not seeing a lot of competitive advertising. You know, I'm seeing a lot of uh, there's a lot of Democratic money here. So there are a lot of ads attacking Lee Zeldin, the Republican candidate for governor, uh, my 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 paper, the New York Post, keeps publishing private polls showing Zeldin within striking distance of Kathy Hochul. Um, but the, a lot of that is private polling, and we don't know how strong it is. It's uh, we we don't really know. Um, but I'm not seeing anything, so I don't know uh, what what's going on. I mean, I I will say I saw a commercial yesterday, uh, or during a football game for uh, Mikey Sherrill, who is a Democratic congress person from new jersey and um man was a right wing it was she was like it was like top gun maverick she was she's a veteran she was in a flight suit she was talking about how her life is dedicated to protecting you and saving you from the bad guys abroad and here and she's going to keep fighting that way and i thought that was pretty striking i mean that is an ad in a blue state that almost had a republican win had a Republican do dramatically better uh, in in 2021 than anybody thought was going to happen. And Mikey Sherrill has clearly taken notice of that. But that's like the only ad I'm seeing. So I don't know what's going on. I don't, I assume in Ohio, literally every ad you're now seeing is, or certainly will be in October, will be uh, Ryan versus Vance. So I don't know that it'll, it'll be inescapable, though, of course, do people watch network TV? I don't even know who watches anything anymore because there are no ads on streaming yet. So I don't know. What do you, uh, Christine, you, you're, well, there's not much going on in Maryland or really or Virginia. So you're not seeing much. Yeah. And I'm in you a probably, blue you don't city too. I don't yeah. really watch TV, you know, regular yeah. TV. So that's yeah. ad spending is everywhere. Ad spending's all over streaming services. Ad spending's all over regular TV. Republicans are playing ball now, apparently. Um, uh-huh. Something to the effect of Republicans outspent Democrats in Senate contests statewide. Uh, in I'm trying to see where I saw this. I forget. Well, it was like Ohio and Florida and some. Oh, Ohio, Florida, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. So they're on the air. Uh, but yeah, okay. uh, they're, the yeah. ads are live. 
So this is important because if you, again, the irrational exuberance, there are two parts of this irrational exuberance on the part of Democrats and the media. Not that I want to, you know, like, I don't know, be redundant. But um, on the one hand, uh, things are good for Democrats in some weird way, in part because of Trump. But I mean, things are good for Democrats. And on the other, things are just terrible for Republicans in every possible way. They've stopped raising money. Mitch McConnell is fighting with Peter Thiel about who's going to pay for Blake Masters' campaign in Arizona. Mitch McConnell is saying we might lose. Kevin McCarthy is saying we might only win 10 seats. Yeah, and so we're, and there's no Republican money, and Trump has taken all the money, and it's sitting in a pot, and everything is... And so any piece of good anecdotal news that supports Democrats, they report any piece of bad anecdotal news or something that hits Democrats, Republicans... They support, and it creates an atmosphere in which what Noah just said, I did not know. I did not know that Republicans are outspending Democrats in Senate races anywhere in the country. Just I, that one weekend. Would, what? Just one weekend. Okay, but, you know, this is where the rubber Actually, meets one the week, road. August 29th through September 11th. Okay, but, well, that's two weeks. Two weeks. And, like, if you spent money back in June, you know... Is that really going to matter come November? So they're spending in earnest now. They've been saving. They're spending now. I didn't know that. And why? Because they're not telling me. And why aren't they telling me? Because they don't want to know because they're, the attitude of the spirit here is don't say anything that will make people think that Republicans might win in November. It's a very interesting dynamic on the one hand you need fundraising you need people afraid that republicans are going in november to turn them out and on the other hand the psychology of the way this is being covered is to say republicans are in terrible 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 shape and then you get a morning like this where the inflation number comes in at 8.3 percent annualized and the first impulse of the people covering it is to say inflation slows inflation slows so uh we're 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 flying a little blind we will be flying blind for two months and uh and if your if your sense of things is is christine's sense of things which is you can't describe the world as it isn't and expect people to say oh okay i i misunderstood that that you know things are, are actually great i think it's politics 101 that that doesn't work but uh they're not quite doing that exactly. They do it a little bit, and then they do the opposite, and then they, they say one thing one day and another thing another day. I don't know. Abe, provide me with a, a rational uh, uh, framework here. Like, do you, do you think that the American people look at Biden and the Democrats and they say they're all the same, Biden and the Democrats are the same, because if they say that then Democrats are in huge trouble. That's why the presidential approval rating matters so much when people are trying to calculate what's going on in the country. And Biden's approval rating, I think, is at 41 now. I mean, in, in the in the aggregate polls, maybe 42, which is where it was for Obama when they lost 63 seats in the House. I suspect they what? do say that, but um, because I'm not sure who they could point to among the Democrats who who has uh, distinguished themselves on these issues in a way that would make them uh, stand out, right? Um, 
at the same time, I think there are there are a great many people who uh, say, well, yeah, Biden and the Democrats are terrible. And this is this still holds, but they are not Trump and they are not the, the, the Trumpies. That is, by the way, to some extent, a kind of luxury concern. You can you can you can if you can afford to care about the fact that they're not Trump, it means you're not more concerned with food prices and rent and and whatever else. Okay. Well, um we got two months to find out. So or I don't know what it is. Eight weeks, seven and a half weeks. I don't know what it is. It's either eight weeks from today or seven weeks from today. I have no memory. It's not memory, I just can't count. Um I want to uh correct a mistake that I made yesterday. I said that most people uh, in the Haredi community do not speak Yiddish as their first language. And in fact, in many communities in the Haredi community, Yiddish is the first language for many people. So I apologize for uh, making that mistake. Uh, I make a lot of mistakes. And if we were going to correct them, uh, you know, we would not get the conversation going. Just remember, uh, I, I I stand by nothing that I that I say. Absolutely nothing. Because I'm just summoning up from memory. Do your own fact checks. You know, I would like to. I would like to claim that my 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 memory is infallible. But um, as I am in as I am now in my seventh decade, that is no longer possible. Um. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I hope this will go up on iTunes. Uh, remember to tell your friends if it. If it doesn't go up on iTunes, they can go to soundcloud.com and find it there or go to commentary.org and find it there. And until tomorrow, for Abe, Christina, Noah, I'm John Podhoritz. Keep the candle burning.